Hello and welcome to another episode of Keep Going Growing. It's great to have you listening. My name is Neve Stone and today I'm going to be joined by a very special guest, Nomi Malalazi. This is my first guest episode and I hope to do more of these in the future where I invite a guest onto the show to speak about a topic. Today we're going to be discussing the very important issue of racism and thinking about the Black Lives Matter movement. This movement became prominent in May 2020 following the death of George Floyd and there are protests across the world as a result to fight for the rights of black lives. We don't want to lose the momentum from the protests and movement as there have already been so many positive changes but there is still a lot more that needs to be done. We cannot stop talking about this. Nomi was a speaker at the St Albans Black Lives Matter protest in June 2020. She's an inspiring woman and we all have a lot to learn from her. I hope that you gain new insight from today's episode and continue to further educate yourself on such an important issue. I just also want to say that I apologise for the quality of the audio. It's not the best because we, of course, had to record over Zoom. And that's why, yeah, it's not the best quality. But I hope that you're still able to hear everything clearly. Okay, so obviously I just want to start off by thanking you. So yeah, thank you so much. You're obviously my first guest. This is very exciting. And yeah, thanks thanks. for being on the podcast. And, um, you know, thanks because you'll obviously be helping to educate me as well as the listeners. I obviously want to know more about this. I'm just so thankful that and grateful that you're coming to talk about such an important issue. And obviously it's a very deeply personal and sensitive issue that cannot you know, it cannot be easy for you to talk about, but thank you just for being willing to come and share your experiences with us and, you know, other experiences that you've heard. And yeah, so do you want to start off by telling us like a little bit about yourself and what you've been up to? Uh, yeah, so um, my name's Nomi um, and what have I been up to? I am I am currently studying. I'm doing a master's at Southampton Uni um, wow. in international music management. So yeah, that's where I'm currently at, just a poor student but (laughs) but yeah that's me at the moment (laughs) you did your undergraduate degree at Southampton didn't you as well I did yeah I did I did BA music there so um yeah I got really into the management side of things so now I'm doing the postgraduate study for that so yeah so you're living in Southampton presumably I am yes I am um it's all online right now but you know there's nothing more fun than hopping out of bed and hopping to your desk and (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so yeah let's get right into it then if that's okay with you so yeah when you were growing up obviously you've grown up in a predominantly white area and did you ever feel that you experienced any sort of discrimination or being treated differently as sort of a minority race and do any particular memories stand out to you so I personally have not experienced a lot but that's actually been more because I was ignorant of it myself and then as I started to get a bit older and I realized that like my childhood was pretty like normal and like lovely you know like spending time with friends school all of that was fine but I remember the distinctive memory I have is just always being reminded that I was black and therefore I was different and therefore I was other 
um and um it gave me a lot of um sort of identity crisis growing up like you know because people would comment on oh you're but you're like black but you're not like where are you really from and um I'd be like well I I'm like I'm not wasn't from Zimbabwe because I'm not born there but like but I'm British I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm British right it's like yeah but like you know you know look you know and all that kind of stuff and it really did um mess me up quite a while growing up and I really just had no idea like where my identity in nationality mostly um lied so I would say that was probably the di most distinctive memory I had mm -hmm. mm. yeah because there's that idea isn't it that like oh if you're not you know white then you can't be British yeah <laughs> it's like, well that's just <laughs> not true people just assume that like oh but where are you really from and that's that's the problem isn't it people shouldn't really be asking that um yeah yeah it makes you feel like yeah, other, like you said so did so you because you I guess you said you were quite I guess ignorant to those things you didn't really realize I guess uh did you so did you not end up challenging things did you just sort of go yeah. along with it yeah I went along with a lot of things looking back I went I got a lot um took a lot of crap like all these mm. comments and things like that and I realize now you know um I, w I wish I'd like said something or stood up for myself but I really had no idea yeah just how like not okay those things were and always you know I if I did get hurt I was made to feel like oh you're overreacting you know we were just joking it's just a joke and it's like why do they always have to come for my skin color though like I remember um because I a big comment I comment joke I always get is like I'm an Oreo like black on the outside white on the inside because like I played the violin and I like singing choral songs and stuff like that and um and also like I spoke you know kind of poshly but I mean I I my the majority of my childhood was in St Albans so why would I not sound like that do you mm. know what I mean so um yeah. yeah that really messed me up and being told I wasn't black enough as well I kind of took them all as jokes or they were just joking but you know like I said before as I got older I realized these things were really actually starting to hurt and a lot of the times after these jokes were made probably go somewhere and cry for a bit because I was like mm. so who am I what like what am I meant to like what does this mean and I remember just thinking why do people always have to come for my skin color why can't people just see me as me and why can't I just let myself why can't I be happy with who I am why can't it be okay for me to be black and to speak like this to be black and to like you know choral super traditional English music and stuff like that you know so yeah <laughs> yeah I guess you almost felt like like you said you didn't feel like you were black enough but then you're not white and you shouldn't have to be white but you're allowed to enjoy <laughs> things you know so that's difficult because I guess maybe you felt like where do I belong yeah I guess on to the next question so what are the most common microaggressions or just racist behavior that you would encounter regularly is there anything um I again it was really those comments and jokes that was definitely the biggest thing um recently actually I had um this I probably wouldn't have noticed it hadn't been for BLM now but now I yeah. realize um I kind of got very quickly racially profiled I went to um just pick something up from um actually from um some people from our church which is um house um and then I had a lovely chat with them afterwards um and they're like I guess neighborhood policeman was walking past 
um, saying hi and he, you know, they said hi to him and he said hi back. And then he saw me <laughs> and he st- like, he stopped and hesitated and was like to them, is everything all right? And I was like, and then I realized afterwards, I was like, oh, he's saying that because I'm there. And mm. because honestly, if it had been a white person, they would have assumed it's a family member, it's a friend, yeah. but there's no way, like why would a black person be talking to a um, a relatively like elderly white couple? Do you know what I mean? I was just kind of taken aback there. I think that was the first time I'd yeah. properly realized I'd been racially profiled. And it made me realize as well, it's happened to me a few times. If, you know, during my teenage years, when I'd be like, you know, a bit um what's the word you know rebel rebel that's a bit of an overstatement to be honest but um you know just walking down to like the shops with my hoodie on and my hood over and just being like oh mm. I'm moody I can't do that without people crossing the street do you know what I mean and I didn't realize mm. that was a thing um again until BLM kind of happened like I knew there was something off when I was doing it when 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 people were crossing the road but I thought it was simply because I had my hood on. Now there was the added dimension of the fact that I was a black person with my hood on. So yeah, yeah that was that was kind of shocking, really. Yeah, it's just those small things that just add up and just add to that feeling of making you feel that you are different when that's not how you should be feeling. Yeah, so, yeah. Because like you say, if it was a white person, it nobody would cross the street. It's just... Yeah, like you said, racial profiling. And it's just, yeah, it's just pretty terrible that those small microaggressions should happen that make you, you know, although they're small things, they are not just small things to you. And I guess at the time you didn't realise, but looking back now you think, oh my goodness, like that just shouldn't have happened. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. For yeah, sure, definitely. I guess when you were young as well, you definitely weren't aware as, as, you, as much as you are now of how those things were actually, yeah, like you said, to do with your race now that you realise. But yeah, mm. so this must have been a hard time for you, I guess, sort of with the whole movement. A lot of people have been telling stories and like you said, sort of realising actually those things were because of my race. And yeah, so it must be quite hard having to reflect on all of those things. You can't ignore it. You have to sort of look back on those things. Yeah, and- definitely. I, I remember the specific feeling I felt was violated after going back and thinking about all the things that happened. And yeah, I just remember feeling incredibly violated for everything that happened. Mm. I was really, you know, a lot of emotions, really angry, you know, really upset and hurt and just felt completely like, I guess a bit used to this because I was like, I'm annoyed I didn't do anything. And then in the moment I was like, well, what can I do now? You know, so yeah, um, yeah, yeah, violated is is the word. <laughs> yeah, very understandably, of course. So the next question is, you know, do you feel that, in situations that white people, um, you know, would stand up for you in situations where someone's treating you badly. Because for example, I was, I was listening to a podcast where somebody was sort of being like interviewed almost. And um, she was saying how she was on the bus and she was the only sort of non-white person on the bus. And this sort of older man started just, you know, racially abusing her, being horrible, just saying, saying names at her and things that he shouldn't have been doing. And she said that nobody, stood up for her you know everybody just kind of was like putting their head down you know nobody wanted to stand up for her and you know like you said violated she felt felt very violated and then it happened that later on a you know another non-white person came onto the bus and he then ended up standing up for her and standing with her and saying to this guy you know get off the bus and he went told the bus driver whatever but she was just 
saying that she was horrified that no white people thought, you know, they were almost like, well, I'm not being racist. I'm not involved. So that's fine. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter if this is happening. I'm not the one that's, you know, doing it. So I'll just sit by and wait for it to be over. So, yeah, that's yeah. just an example, I guess. So do you feel that white people would stand up for you if, you know, something was going on? I think before BLM, not so much. Um, mm. Like I said, with the with the jokes and the comments that were made, no one was stood up because no one really, everyone thought either I was overreacting or it was just a joke. There was nothing, you know, I think there was one time I genuinely tried and I was like, no guys, please stop. This is not funny. Like, mm. I don't like it. Um, but you know, nothing happened. Like, I don't know. You're on your own, I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like I said, I couldn't even stand up for myself. So, you mm. know, I guess, who, why would I, I guess, why would I expect white people to do anything either especially where pre 2020 BLM the ignorance was just up here for everyone you know so I think now that BLM's happened I like I'm not how do I put this I'm not um I'm still a bit skeptical personally I think the good thing is it's put BLM out in the open there is that chance for people to actually stand up for someone now a white person a white ally as as we say to stand up for someone um in public and like it is a completely acceptable thing like it should have been back then yeah. to be honest yeah I but, definitely yeah. think that because of the movement people are more aware so hopefully yeah it's everybody's responsibility to stand up against racism not just those who are being racially abused change doesn't happen unless everybody stands up yeah. you know what I mean make Absolutely. a change so yeah, no, so um, I think, and just an interesting, I always find it bizarre that people didn't stand up before because I don't know if you've heard of Jane Elliott. She, well, she's a massive um, advocate for racial equality, um, a white American woman in her like 60s or 70s now, I think. There was one thing she said that I think should be something that all white people should be challenged by, which is um, if you say that you see no colour or that you're not racist, you know, like you said, like the people didn't, they were thinking, oh, well, I'm not racist because I'm not the one doing it, but you're not exactly doing anything either. Mm -hmm. And then she said, so tell me that you're happy to take the position of a black person and live their life. If anyone's happy to do that, then put your hand up. And obviously no one put their hand up because everyone deep yeah. down knows exactly the kind of treatment and the per perception black people get. So I think that's, that's um, an interesting thought that white people should think about. Um, and just because, oh, I'm not being racist, but I don't need to say anything. If that was you in their shoes, you would want someone to stand up for you. And yeah. it's just a human decency. So um, yeah, I think post BLM, hoping to see a lot more, a lot more of that. And hopefully that it's not just been words, but it's seen in action with actual white allies standing up for sure. Yeah, as I say, it's everybody's responsibility. We all need yeah. to be doing something. On to cultural appropriation. So that's obviously been a big thing in the media as well. Um, so what are your thoughts on cultural appropriation? And can you give any examples? And do you think there are subtle ways that maybe people do, you know, maybe white people would do it without even realising? Um, yeah, I definitely think cultural appropriation is a thing. There's a difference between cultural appropriation and cultural appreciation. Um, mm -hmm. which see some people still seem to be struggling to get their heads around a massive one for, obviously for me that's very um relevant of my life is braids and and black girls hair if you go back 
wanted to like the history of braids and just our hair in general you know we were made for we we're shamed for it for so long and also you know braids have always been important and during the slave time the cornrows were actually used as maps as you might know um to escape to remember what the um the estate or wherever they were looked like so that they knew how to escape um so braids is a very important thing in black people or black women's culture so when a white woman who who's wearing braids and calling it and t claiming it as a sort of creative move of themselves that's cultural appropriation however i think i'm not saying you're not allowed my this is my personal opinion as well because i i'm you know maybe not everyone agrees but it's okay to wear braids as long as you know where it's coming from the culture behind it who it belongs to but never ever claim it and this goes for all sorts of things that do not originally come from your culture claim it as something for yourself as something a creation of yourself as well I mean yeah. you know I think a big example is those this constant car clashes Victoria's Secret keeps making on their run ratios with the Native Americans like headdresses and stuff that they use for like the lingerie styles and it's just you know it's just appalling to really to see that something so important in Native American culture is being used for, for fashion more so for <laughs> something as I guess as intimate as lingerie as well you know so yeah. I think always just remember where that thing is coming from and really also you know is it the end of the world if you don't wear it or claim it as your own or whatever it is I've had a friend who wanted to wear braids a, a white friend of mine she knew that she wanted to try something new she but she knew exactly like she came to me and said oh you know is there a hairdresser I can find you know um and she, she knew basically that this is not her thing part of her creativity this was she knew this was that braids was an important part of um for black women as well um yeah at least I think for sure yeah so um yeah that's that's probably what I would I would say I'm not saying that you can't appreciate someone's culture but just don't appropriate it to suit white people I think that's the main thing as well really majority time it's it's white people that that do it as well and I think there's a real um, if I'm being honest, a real something that really gets to non-white people about that, that it's specifically white people yeah. who've been discriminating for so long, making fun of maybe these cultural things that they've got, only to then find them years later, uh, wearing it and taking it as their own and saying it's like a white adaptation. Yeah, it's like it's like they criticise non-white people for having it, but then they take it and then it's seen as like beautiful because they're yeah. doing it. I've seen a lot of stuff about that. I think you posted some things about that where it's like, oh, but if white people do it, it's suddenly like fine. And it's suddenly like, you know, admirable. And yeah, other people are like, oh, actually that's nice, but that's not how it should be. And like you say, it is appropriating. I think that's definitely important. The distinction between appropriation and appreciation. Mm. Um, yeah, that's really helpful. So thank you. <laughs> Have you ever felt that you were chosen for something as sort of diversity hire? Obviously, I've said that in like inverted commas. I think that's the easiest way to like describe it, if that makes sense. So, you know, you weren't actually didn't feel you being valued for your talents, but actually it was more like, oh, 
she will help us fit our sort of diversity bill and you know we need a certain proportion of you know non-white people working here or at this university or whatever so yeah have you ever experienced that or do you know anybody that's experienced that i personally i don't think i've experienced it then again i don't know maybe it's another thing i've just been ignorant of in the past yeah um but i just there's just been a lot of a few situations where i've suddenly become very aware that i am the only black person here mm -hmm. in this situation one massive one was um i got chosen to be an um alto for romsey abbey's choir um mm -hmm. which um in the choral world for me was a big deal so um yeah. i was well the first <laughs> thank you thank you very much <laughs> i was the first female um the first female alto as well as i think the first female to officially be in the choir and obviously i was also the first just black person ever at the mm -hmm. time and i just remember feeling so like to be fair and to be fair everyone was lovely they were very lovely but it was just me being feeling aware that i'm i am black and everyone's you know white and it's very like traditional obviously it dates back with with white people mostly so i just felt very like a bit out of a bit out of place um with that yeah but then that doesn't really answer your question because I definitely didn't I didn't feel like a diversity hire for sure but, but you were definitely um, aware that you were the only one yeah but it yeah was... definitely it was definitely yeah. hard not to and I I do remember getting looks a lot in the first few services like people people really people really were looking at me like oh this mm. is new like <laughs> yeah whether it was a a negative or positive thing I, I don't know but um yeah, it, that was a very interesting ex like experience for me at the time. But like I said, I did have a look. I did have a good time whilst I was there, and everyone was very yeah. nice. Again, this isn't diversity hire, but this was more discrimination in the hiring pro like process. So yeah, so the opposite. Of, yeah, <laughs> so a friend of my dad's, he applied for a job in France, and he got rejected very quickly as well. And then I think he knew that had something to do with him not being white so he sent the same application back but he put a white name mm -hmm. um and i think in the if there was you know the question about your ethnicity probably put white as well he got offered an interview and so he came okay. he went and he was like hi i'm i know like john smith or whatever and they were like yeah oh and you know he obviously confronted them about the fact that he'd previously Yes, and obviously they were very embarrassed and he was hired immediately. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, moral of the story for sure. I, I would say don't judge someone, obviously. It's, it's literally the basis, you know, don't judge someone. Yeah, something, is, something as ridiculous as, you know, something as small as their skin colour. And um, in terms of diversity hire as well, don't, just don't beg, please don't hire people for as tokens they're people and yeah they they have talents and intelligence and abilities and you should that as in a company wherever whatever workplace is they should be seen for that not for their skin color so that you can see that you've ticked the diversity box and mind you mm. having one black person amongst like a hundred white people it's definitely not. does not tick a diversity <laughs> box. <Yeah. laughs> so, um, or two or three for that matter, you know, you should just be hiring people with no bias, which I understand is, is difficult 
in, in part of our world that has been massively sort of in, indoctrinated to favor white people. But just, you gotta just keep challenging that bias. Yeah, and just see yeah. people as people. Yeah, because my sort of story that my friend was telling me about, um, her little sister was in sick form and she wanted to apply for head girl at one of the secondary schools. And, you know, she spent ages on her application and this was just after the whole BLM thing had come up. And um, this school's kind of known for being a bit like favorable towards white students. Mm. And there were loads of applicants, whatever. And she was the only non-white person that applied. And she was instantly like, you know, like you said with your, your dad's friend, sort of, it was like quite instant as if they hadn't even looked at the application. They yep. hadn't had you know, considered it. And she felt that she'd only been chosen for head girl because the school were like, oh, we need to, you know, diversify the student body right. a bit. And she felt that, you know, she hadn't actually been valued for, you know, all that time she'd spent on her application, all the things that make her her and have nothing to do with her skin colour and how hard she works. And yeah, she felt that, although it's what she really wanted she just got the impression that yeah they hadn't they didn't even bother to like interview anyone or they just were like yeah her straight away and I think yeah she felt that they hadn't even bothered to look past her skin color yeah so yeah it's like like you were saying obviously that's the opposite way but yeah I think it's interesting how backhanded that turned out to be because you said it was just after BLM right a little after BLM yeah and the school were getting a lot of sort of complaints Right, yeah. So obviously <laughs> they were still making the same mistake by thinking yeah. that the problems would be solved by appointing this girl as a head girl. And yeah, that's even more problematic. And mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, you know, not seeing her for her, but just her skin colour is just, yes, yeah, it's, it's really yeah, frustrating. Like, yeah, this will make us look good. This will stop the complaints that we're not, you know, that we're favouring white students. When looking for a new place to live, obviously you've moved to Southampton and, you know, that's not where you grew up and you've gone to university. Now you're obviously doing a master's. So was it important to you when choosing somewhere new to live and choosing a university? Did you take into consideration the sort of proportion of non-white people in that area? And, you know, was that a big indicator for you as to whether or not you wanted to go to that university or move to that place? For me, I didn't think about it that much. It wasn't until I was there. I think a part of it as well is I there was also this other element of me actually feeling intimidated by black people as well because I'd been getting so many right. comments saying I wasn't black enough you know I didn't exactly want to hang around black people and make myself feel more not black you know mm. so it's not that I actively went looking as well for like a place with less black people but it's just something I never really thought I, I thought about or considered for me I just I just I just wanted a place to fit in all right you know Mm. you know again I uh, for the years I was doing my undergraduate for a couple of years I was the only the only black person but to be honest I was kind of used to being such a minority so I didn't you know it, it didn't really matter to me it strangely wasn't until a couple of other black students joined the music department and we're all very excited. We're like, oh my gosh, like another black person. Yay. Obviously all became yeah. best friends instantly. And suddenly people were getting confused as to who was who. And, you know, mind you, there were like two of us at this time. My friend takes photo, um, is a really good photographer. And she tends to take photos for like the performances and stuff there. And somebody messaged me and said, hi, can I get those photos? And I was like, I am not who you're thinking of. 
I was like, there's literally two of us. There's only two of us. Yeah. <laughs> Why, how can he get that mixed up? You know, that was, yeah, that was pretty shocking. Yeah, going, so going, sorry, going back to the question, I, yeah, I didn't, but it, again, it was something as, especially as BLM happened, I became more aware of the fact that, so Hampton is definitely not one of the most diverse places. I don't know, I don't think it's because it's necessarily been like intentional or anything. Yeah, it's just something I've never really been like factored in yeah. or thought about because like I said personally I don't I don't think I felt comfortable I don't think I felt if I hang out with more black people I'm gonna feel more comfortable than hanging and or if I hang out with more white people I'm gonna feel more comfortable because I was in, I was uncomfortable with both groups of people I was just like I just want friends to appreciate me for me that was literally it so that's, yeah, what, it, I mean, that's what it should be <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that's um all I really looked for when I moved so yeah because I have a few friends who obviously when you're in sick form you're all going off to the university open days you know obviously pre-pandemic and yeah I remember talking to one of my friends about it and um she was saying I just she actually went to look at Southampton and a few others and she said none of them felt right to me because it's really important to me that I don't feel like the only non-white person and Mm. I remember when she said that I thought wow that is I feel so ignorant because I had never even thought about that obviously as a white person that's just not something that crossed my mind when I was looking at universities but for her yeah. it was really important and that was a big factor for her that you know she had a community that she felt actually I think she you know growing up in St Albans most people are white and I think it was really important to her that when she was choosing somewhere to live um, and she got the choice it was really important to her that she lived somewhere more diverse she just wanted yeah. a community where she felt like she belonged so yeah, yeah, that's why I sort of asked that because I know that for some people it's a big thing. Yeah, I totally like that. Totally makes sense why, of course. And I know that's um, yeah, an important factor. And like I said, for me, it was because I, when growing up, I'd kind of got a bit of stick from both black people and white people for like not being black enough or being too white or whatever. So like I said, I didn't feel comfortable with either groups, and I didn't feel yeah. like I'd find a community among either people and I just wanted to be accepted as the individual I was now that I am more comfortable with who I am confident in myself as an individual I just want to meet you know get to know more individuals and then from that aspect I want to find go would love to go to areas that are more diverse because obviously you know you meet all sorts of people from all sorts of walks of life yeah that's definitely and it would be great to surround myself in a community where people have different perspectives on life different walks of life and you're not alone you're not there thinking that your way of life is the only way of life whatever but yeah Yeah. it just helps expand you know your your horizons and and just sort of realize how how big this world is yeah I think that's what would be important to me when looking for diverse a diverse community now yeah and you know like you said looking for individuals you obviously feel comfortable enough in yourself and you have your own identity that you know you feel that you don't need to just view yourself you don't need to be like well I need to be around lots of people of the same skin color to feel comfortable you're comfortable enough in yourself I guess that you're able just to yeah look at other people as individuals and you'll use yourself as an individual and just see people that way and I mean correct me if I'm wrong but yeah yeah no sorry yeah no absolutely that is yeah I would say that's right in individuals individuality is definitely become yeah and culture is definitely a part of that exactly yeah a cult your culture your skin color your, your background whatever that's a part of your indiv- individuality 
but it's um it doesn't define it's you. not what defines you yeah exactly yeah. it's not it's, it's yeah it's, it's a part that makes you and, it, and it's a beautiful thing and yeah you shouldn't be you know judged on for one fat fraction you know human beings are incredibly complex things you know so yeah it, yeah it wouldn't make sense to just think we can fit people into one box at all yeah so I guess getting on to sort of brands and such and businesses um so when you're sort of I guess buying clothes looking at online businesses online sort of clothing brands and such do you feel that you know non-white ethnicities are well represented or do you feel that it's just a lot of marketing for white people oh my gosh yeah no <laughs> it's pretty awful we're getting there very slowly only because mm. of again BLM really one distinctive memory is when I was 15 16 looking for prom dresses and I you know this was a big deal you want you need to find the dress looking back as well oh, yeah. that dress was, <laughs> was really something else I had like this bright <laughs> this bright yellow one um yeah but I remember looking for um prom dresses and I realized the reason I was struggling to find one is because I couldn't see what it would look like on someone who looked like me and mm -hmm. I remember typing black girl prom dress just so I could find a black girl wearing a prom dress and google images came up instead with white girls wearing black dresses and I was just like oh my gosh oh. this is just yeah no um, <laughs> No, absolutely. So I, we're getting there very slowly. Again, it's that realization. I think what's been interesting is obviously there's been the body positivity movement. And so that's been like, you know, we need, let's have more diversity in body shapes because we're realizing that not everybody actually, nobody has the same body. There is no box mm -hmm. again that you can fit into to, to look, you know, to fit the right look or whatever. But that has been something that's been amongst white people. Um, mm -hmm. And so you, the, the majority of the models have been white as well. And then now there's like this added, you know, finally addition of like, oh yeah, let's have different people of different skin colors because different human beings have different, well, different skin colors, have different bodies. And I don't, I just, it, honestly, it, again, it blows my mind that it's taken us this long to realize seven billion people in the world. How are we supposed to all look the same? how are we supposed to yeah how why would there not be you know such a wide range of representation why are we trying to fit again fit it into one box of thin white women wet modeling yeah. clothes and that is that is a, a type that should be represented for sure but it should not be dominating it's not the only and, type yeah. yes and being the narrative that everybody should be looking up to um so yeah it's definitely not been enough but it's it is um slowly getting there I'm still not seeing quite as many models who are um as dark as me but we'll um, you know I'm hoping that we're gonna keep keep getting there <laughs> yeah yeah are there any sort of black owned business or I guess just any non-white owned businesses that you really love and that you would recommend there is another one I have gotten into recently I mean it's it's not like a small black owned business but it's just one called Grassfields that does like African attire but it's just like yeah it's just it's just really nice and obviously all the models are, are black um of different skin yeah. tones and it's really nice to see again this one isn't um this one isn't black owned but um one of my favorite brands Lucy and Yak with their like dungarees and stuff and they from the beginning always made sure that it's been diverse and yeah they have they just 
they just have people modeling like they, they, they're yeah. just people you know which is really nice so you can see people everyone can see themselves in those clothes which is which is really nice to see the nxc vintage shop nxc vintage okay. shop it's it's just a lovely vintage shop um and i love um i really love like vintage styles and stuff but it's something again i've always seen on white people and it's kind yeah. of like i've always felt like yeah yeah you know feeling underrepresented up underrepresented um and so yeah to see like these among a list of other vin um, black owned vintage shops i saw but actually a there were there are loads of black people who love the vintage style and love to sport it and actually you know made me realize no okay it's not just for white people you know um mm -hmm. and to see them and to see them wearing it and see people look like me wearing this stuff and to get inspiration from someone who looks like me is is felt really good so um yeah and nxc vintage shop is one i quite like they they just i just quite like their style on there so um okay yeah getting on to sort of the idea of colorism do you have any thoughts on this and have you ever experienced color colorism within the black community and you know is there privilege for lighter skin non-white people or you know like mixed race people as opposed to darker skinned people and you know do you think do you think they still benefit to an extent from white privilege um i think in some ways they do i also think they have their own issues that they have to deal with that as a black person i also can't understand what it's like to be of two currently opposing as a heri two heritages that are currently meant to be like opposing and um but yeah because they are lighter they do have privilege when it comes to colorism. I mean, you see it in film all the time. Uh, the, the biggest one for me um, is in The Greatest Showman, casting Zendaya as a black- Yeah, she's a trapeze artist, yeah. Yeah, trapeze artist, that's it. And her brother, they're meant to be black brother and sister. Yes, and she's right. mixed race. And it's just like, I think, I love Zendaya, I think she's great, but why? Would it, would it not have just hurt to get, there's definitely a dark skinned woman who can do the same thing. And then yeah. there's another one, um, what's it called? The Hate You Give. And I, I'm, that one as well, there just seems to be this thing of where dark, when there's black women, they always go for the lighter side. And like, that's mm -hmm. fine. Like, you know, they are, they are black as well, but, the, the the representation of dark skinned women is just not there. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to see yourself having to be represented by lighter skinned women all the time, and then people are going to expect that, you know, or yeah. think that, and um, still not really see the us the darker skinned women. And it's I from what I get my personal view from what I see, it's almost as if they're afraid to cast like dark-skinned women like as if it's going to like mess things up or ruin things or people are going to like struggles like which I just find absolutely bizarre like I and just yeah yeah because now that you say it I can't think of a single movie I'm trying to think like of any movies with like a dark dark-skinned you know black person as opposed to a lighter Unless sort of if they are dark-skinned they're usually yeah they're usually sassy like usually yeah. the, the big sassy caricature yeah of a dark-skinned woman and that's that's about it and I remember because of things like that I'd get a lot of like oh you're like sassy you're not meant to be like from the ghetto it's like I grew up in St Albans 
like yeah. how, how ghetto do you think I am like we grew up in the same place like exactly yeah so um yeah I, I get, got a lot of that because what they see of people my skin my skin not just my skin color but my skin tone is that we're yeah. like this sassy big woman who's like aggressive and and mind you there's nothing wrong with you know being aggressive is not a bad thing if you know if they're you know if they're standing up for themselves in the right way you know yeah and it's, it's um, like a stereotyping is what you were talking about and that there's yeah not yeah that representation it, of a wider exactly because there's that, still that teeny tiny representation or you know we're in um slave films as well mm-hmm. like i i will never i never watch anything that's associated with black history where i know it's like looking at black people in yeah I don't I don't like to watch black pain films as well that's associated with slavery or um like the discrimination and racism and segregation we've had in the past um because again that's the time when we see women who look like me um and it's all that just we seem to be associated with I think the big thing is we're not we're not really seen that much as beautiful you know as as you know being seen in that light of just being women like yeah it's 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 really um interestingly I feel like it's different with with black men I think more dark-skinned men actually are I guess more accepted um in like Mm. you know society and the entertainment world I don't know if that's the right wording but you kind of get get what I'm saying with that um but with women there's always been this idea that it's you know you're pale you're light-skinned um you know snow white her skin was white as snow and I'm just there like oh well so I guess that's why if there are black women in that who kind of lean towards that they're going to be more acceptable but also at the same time I don't that does not take away the fact that they've got you know their own issues to deal with for um with um with race as well and but yeah it's I think it's all the more reason we as black women should band together in this way and support each other um Mm -hmm. rather than trying to yeah go for each other's skin tones as well because it is a it is an issue that goes on in that area um yeah and and instead of dividing we should be united in that sort of thing yeah rather than going to somebody you know well you're half white so you're not fully black and I think a lot of like you say mixed race people probably have a lot of their own struggles with you know well where do I fit in I'm half and half and like you said they're opposing at the moment almost or I guess not just at the moment but they've always been opposing they're two different things it's like you almost have to choose one or the other but it shouldn't be that way you should be able to be both and be accepted as you are Yeah. yeah I always find it interesting that the moment you find out somebody's mixed race, they're immediately categorized as black. And it's just like, well, what about their their white half their white half as well? They are black and white. And that's a thing in itself. Why do we have to just because they're not fully white and look like what a white person has st- again in my area, stereotypically looks like, why does that make them any less white? Yeah. And vice versa, like you said, like some people be like, oh, well, you're not totally black. Why are we making that that point? And actually, we should just be seeing them mm-hmm. again for who they are and accepting the, and seeing their skin colour and the fact that they are half, you know, both black and white and just accepting them as a human being. Yeah, as an individual. Yeah. And again, I can't speak for them as well because it's a completely different, you know, um, no, of course, of course. situation so um but yeah again they should just be being seen as individuals as well so yeah that's the aim everybody being seen as individuals 
Yeah, so on to sort of, I guess, more specifically the Black Lives Matter movement. So why do you think that the Black Lives Matter movement became so prominent in 2020? Because it's not like racism suddenly became worse or like suddenly became an issue. It's obviously been long overdue. So why do you feel that suddenly it, yeah, became so prominent? Um, I mean, COVID, really. Um, mm-hmm. Because of lockdown, we over here were finally forced to see that this is an issue um what's usually happened in the past is we have our work we have our busy lives to help us escape yeah ignore bury our heads in the sand to pretend it doesn't exist but now you know we've a lot of us have just been forced to stay at home and what do a lot of us do when we sit at home yeah extra time social media all feeling like really you know everybody's got their own personal struggles um so you know and so now people are finally you know able to just stay still and be confronted with the issue of racism properly um yeah I would say that that's that's why um it's been so prominent like you said it hasn't it's not changed there's not been any difference since Black Lives Matter the actual movement began what years way before 2020 it's just that um it's gained it's finally grown because it's not just black people who are fighting this time but it's non-black people who are also who've also been confronted that they are part of the problem and you know for those people who want want to help end that they're doing something starting to do things about it so because they've got the time and you know and yeah I guess the time and the space and yeah whatever so yeah, yeah it's great that this, that this issue sort of gained momentum and the movement's gained momentum I guess yeah it's that we don't want to lose that it's like everybody got very fired up there protests it's like but we want that to actually make a change it's great what you said and um so obviously you've been involved with the movement so do you want to tell us sort of how you got involved with it and um you know I've said in the introduction that you're you spoke at the St Albans protest in June 2020, I believe. So yeah, how did you get involved? Um, I mean, to be honest, I it wasn't. I <laughs> I don't really know. Every time I look back, I'm like, oh, I don't quite know how this happened. But um, just happened. all I know is, yeah, it really just did. But all I know this time round is that I felt like I couldn't sit down and do nothing myself after again, like I've said at the beginning being ignorant of this or choosing to be ignorant more like for so long and finally being confronted with the fact that this stuff was not okay I was like I've got to do something even if it's just small but I I just don't want to see this get so big only for it to just deflate again and nothing and nothing happened um so um the first thing that happened I think was um starting a petition but um, for my school, which I did with my cousin, you know, we were just sort of talking about um, our memories from school. Um, and we were just sort of realizing, oh gosh, like these things are actually not okay. And we're not the only ones. We started talking to other black students, like pre- um, past black students. Um, basically, it was clear that we'd all had experienced some sort of discrimination and that there was a, a, a level of institutional racism in our school. 
and we thought well you know let's um let's do a petition about it we i'd seen a couple of people who had started writing letters to their school so we thought yeah let's let's do that let's write an email to the school and we thought it it would be more powerful if we actually you know since we've been talking to more people who agreed if we just got more originally it was meant to be black students who agreed with us but then i don't quite know what happened it kind of exploded like people shared it and, yeah <laughs> kind of. and before we knew it we had about just over 800 signatures from people of all wow. you know, black and white students um just yeah white students non-white students um and yeah it was it was amazing and um we thought we were getting th like 30 signatures that was it like that's what we were expecting so it was really like like great to see um and yes yeah, so through that um I that's when I heard about the um protest and I was asked to make a speech um and I'm not a speech maker at all I don't know how to I, I hate speaking it like not that I hate speaking public but I, I don't do it often enough to yeah but this was you know it's talking about something that's very and in many ways I didn't feel very um like I guess qualified like I didn't feel like I still knew a lot about it or understood but yeah so I, I did the speech um and really just you know talked about just the things that I felt were important that came from yeah. that came from the heart so yeah I did the the speech and um yeah and that happened because I'd done the petition and um yeah so I'd say that that's those are the things and then after that um you know I, I met a and someone at a protest, another protest that I went to in Hatfield, and um, she told me about this um, charity that they were going to be setting up, um, that they wanted to start setting setting up um, in response to BLM. Um, and yeah, so I've jumped on board with that and have um, I'm now a trustee on the board for that. Um, Starting started small, it's been like about six months now since I joined, I think, and um, yeah it's been going it's been going really really great and um the key the important thing with that is um it whilst it was it was caused and we all met because of BLM it's really about it's more about um social fighting socioeconomic divides but through that you know it's ev um helping anybody who is you know who is falling in that econ through that economic gap any young person who's falling through that economic gap regardless regardless of their race and so through that which you know we're seeing the aim is to, for them to be seen as equal the same the same potential as individuals you know that again you see the running theme I've got going through this but yeah. <laughs> in just see yeah seeing these helping these young people see them as individuals who have potential um and yeah and that their background and whatever the backgrounds are um, economically race um eth ethnically all of that um you know is a part is part of them as well and that they should value and they should all yeah essentially like you know look after each other and care about each other and be in community together in that in that sense as well um yeah yeah so those are yeah those are kind of the things I've gotten um gotten involved with um since since BLM happened and yeah just um it's all about baby steps like you know um these these protests and things have helped they they are the things to say this is a problem we need to fix it they are not going to fix the problem yeah. it's the things it's the actions you take after that and it's yeah no matter how small so 
you know, me personally, I hope to be better at standing up for myself if I get those microaggressive comments again, again, or, you know, just, you know, you know, full on discrimination against me or whatever, you know, I hope yeah. to never go back to not, not being just too afraid or not understanding. Yeah, exactly. So I guess onto the idea of social media, because how helpful do you feel that social media is in terms of sort of activism? Because I think it can be a mixed bag, can't it? It can be good, but it can also be really bad. It can help unite people, but it can also reveal a lot of segregation and a lot of hate. But yeah, so what are your opinions on social media? I I think social media is a really interesting one. I personally really like social media because when it's used for good and in positive to, um, ways, it's incredibly powerful, as seen with Black Lives Matter. Um, you know, Instagram has now not just become a place for aesthetics and for selfies and stuff. It's now, you know, you get little bite-sized bits of education and stuff like that, which is, yeah. you know, just really nice to see, um, really important. And I think as as long as it's there, the people who do use it to divide is just like, it's, it's obvious, you know what I mean? It's just like... And it's no longer acceptable. People now are saying, you can't say that, you can't exactly, do that. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And, it, you know, it helps reach people, you know, across the other side of the world. Um, that's exactly that's you know exactly why we got um all these protests for BLM happening around the world you know big protests small protests but the point was it was it, it touched people all around um mm -hmm. and that's because and and people are educating themselves and whatnot because of the internet social media and things like that so I really think when used in the right way for good social media is, is a really great thing um yeah and a really powerful tool to use yeah because it's almost like like you say you can't just go on Instagram and like you know without seeing something educational without seeing something I think people are so much better now having a more social conscience and posting things on their story even if it's just like a repost of something that they've seen yeah. you can't really ignore it now you can't you know you can't say oh I had no idea that these protests were going on or anything you can't be ignorant to anything you have to be faced with it every time you go on your phone almost I think that's a good thing because yeah, you don't definitely. want people to be able to ignore the issues that are going on and like you said you mentioned earlier the sort of the Asian hate crimes that have been you know these these last few weeks been in the news a lot and you know that's obviously then been on Instagram and people have been talking about that and then a few weeks before that with you know women and with Sarah Everard and everything that that sparked and it's great to see mm. that you know people are standing up against it and you might say well they need to do more than just posting but that's the first step you know like you said earlier baby steps yeah I think it's an interesting thing because again it's because of Covid that this has happened and so yeah I think social, putting things on social media is the first step to say, we're not just going to let this die. We're not just going to let this, we're not going to let you put your head in. Yeah, yeah. we're going we're gonna to put it on social media and say that it's, that this is a problem and you know, you'd be scrolling and you've scrolled past that. And you know, you know, I, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And again, it's, it's that, yeah, people are being faced with that problem issue again. So that I think when we do go back to sort of having a bit more normality, I guess, that has now sort of is sort of integrated in our lives and when you are getting on with your life it's going to be hard to ignore those things and try and use your work or busy life to to try and avoid those things that you do see on social media yeah yeah and again it's like the protest social media is also they're like a big megaphone to, to trigger action 
and you know they, that's a really good thing as well they give loads of practical tips people put loads of practical tips of how to actually put things into action which I think is um really really good yeah it's definitely a great educational tool for people I've definitely learned a lot from Instagram and Facebook mm. and whatever from social media yeah obviously I think we've probably spoken about this a bit but is there anything more you want to say about sort of since movement reflecting on past experiences and noticing anything that I guess you didn't previously realize was racist or have you heard anybody sort of saying that there's anything that they've sort of realized I just um I don't I don't know I just think it's um all we can do now is keep the conversations going make keep making it acceptable to talk about it in public just I think the main thing is just just human decency is just the main theme I've gotten from this year like we've really forgotten about human decency and to just remember that like it's just not okay like these things are not okay mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter how oh it's going to affect things politically or like with your popularity or your it's human decency that's the most important thing out of all of this yeah. um and yeah because if you talk about it more then you're going to feel in public then you're going to feel more confident to stand up you know fight against it more in public and yeah talking about these things um these things these issues all of them you know black lives matter women's rights and the asian hate all those things that are currently huge right now are not things that should just be huge and then die down these are things that need to be yeah. constantly talked about in in public and you know if someone goes to you go oh why you got to make everything about race it's because it is that's why that we live in a world that has made life about race we've made think we live in a world that has made things about sexism and misogyny you know so yeah that's what we need to do we just need to keep shining a light on these things just don't ever mm -hmm. let go of that and don't ever think that oh I can't do it someone else will do it like it's and I just mean in the smallest ways like I said like just talking about it you you are part of the change you know or you are part of the problem there's no in between yeah that's definitely what I've learned this past year as well yeah so that's I'll say everything you're saying is very helpful <laughs> I'm just like <laughs> listening like wow <laughs> um so do you feel that you know the movement has helped you to feel united to people who maybe experienced similar things to you or do you yeah um I think so I mean again one of the big things I you know with conversation is the fact that I can very openly now talk about issues or problems with my white friends it's not so much of a taboo anymore which is really which is really nice I definitely do I think the sense of like community has has been a huge like theme for me this past year and just how important it is to have people around you to support you and for you to support back as well and again like community is a combination it's like just a load of individuals coming together that is that is it and it's just see people again see people as people that's what makes you united really is just seeing them and appreciating yeah. them for who they are for for their for all the background stuff or just everything that makes them them you know and not you know judging anything from it but le like learning talking learning to each other learning from from each other not saying this is my this is my idea this is how I've been taught this is how I grew up therefore this is why you should think about that but it's about thinking and learning about um and having those discussions and and also maybe if you don't see eye to eye you know having a tolerance for that you know and yeah and accepting and understanding that 
because everyone's grown up in different ways and has different and and just different it's 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 not you know you're not always going to see eye to eye with everything and for that to be an okay thing yeah it's okay yeah. to disagree with people as long as you're not sort of hating it's okay exactly people have opinions. yeah that's what divides us I think we just need to yeah we just need to get out more <laughs> really that's it we just need to get out yeah. more um see the world a bit that, more yeah like this and I don't just mean like if obviously if you can't so just it's not through travel but like again social media is right there no it's just experiencing yourself exactly yeah yeah and just having an open mind like there's seven again seven billion people in this world why would we think we've got it all right you know so yeah there's always more to learn for every single person exactly exactly what is the best way for people to become more educated on the issue of racism? Obviously, we've spoken about social media. Is there any other ways? Are there any books or I don't know anything that you would recommend? I I would recommend this is what I just said. Everyone. I would recommend go watch Jane Elliott. Just find some Jane Elliott videos. I think she's great. She's um and her documentary is about um like social um like experiments she's done to sort of demonstrate the sort of you know what it looks like um, for black people to be discriminated and stuff like that. And just listening to her speak, I think she's she is like such a great example of what a white ally should look like. Even I've learned some things from her of how not to tolerate like stuff and and whatnot. Um, and of course, like the big thing I think as well is to listen to talk to your friends because among the black community, everybody's got different experiences. If you take one person's experience and generalize it to apply it to the whole black community that is in itself is a problem my experience is very different to someone else's experience whose experience is very different to that person's so and of course not everyone's going to be for maybe want to tell their their story but also just to sensitive thing yeah it's an it's an it is and it's just yeah important to yeah uh there's there are books why i'm no longer talking about race of course is a is a really good one to read but those would be my my top three tips so I would start with why I'm no longer talking about race, um, watch a bit of Jane Elliott and listen, sit and listen to your um, to your black friends experiences and realise that everybody's is different as well. But the common the the common thread is that there is, you know, that there is discrimination no matter how small or how big it's been. Yeah, just accept people as well. Don't try and argue with their experience. Um, Yes. Just say, like, yeah, I'm really sorry that happened, you know, just believing people and yeah not saying oh they did that because of this people can be very quick to defend other people it's just oh for sure yeah ridiculous (laughs) yeah yeah it's another thing it's just we've got to you've got to humble yourself you've just got to like yeah you know definitely it's not yeah it's not necessarily about you it's about just giving that person the space to to talk or to like just breathe or to like yeah just let it out or whatever it is they need to do without they don't need you know to hear your opinions on this thing as well yeah so yeah and that's great that you've given those sort of three tips because everyone has a responsibility to educate themselves further on this I mean like you said you're still learning things and obviously I'm still learning things and all the listeners they'll be learning things about this as well it's not like you reach an end point you can always be learning more yeah so I guess my last sort of two questions do you think that we're becoming less racist slash more anti-racist as a society or do you think that there's I mean obviously there's still a long way to go but do you think that that change is happening I think there is potential again it's really too early to tell still yeah 
it's something that we need to be honest that can only really be seen in the next generation I'm seeing it a, a tiny bit now like I can give my sister as an example for her to feel represented you know before she she didn't and she felt really uncomfortable about her hair and her skin color um and then you know I did this the small thing of actually taking out my finally having my natural hair out and make feeling comfortable with it now she's like I want to have my hair out and stuff and you know yeah. you just wouldn't have have thought that's the thing so it's a, the result will be seen in the next generation really yeah I think that's a really important thing to remember and which is why we can't let up we can't let this die we can't slow down or whatever we need to just keep you going so that, yeah exactly so that the younger lot can see how it's meant to be and how they're meant to be treating each other yeah so I probably won't be able to say we're less racist for me personally I won't be able to see say we're less racist until until a while <laughs> until we start yeah. seeing seeing you know just seeing black people being treated as normal people way more like me personally as well I would love to see these like diversity higher things not there anymore that they're just yeah just not be a thing yeah yeah not be a thing because you're just seeing people as people and stuff like that so that's just like one small example and I think that's it's things like that that that's when we're becoming yeah anti-racist to the point where actually the people who do make racist comments they're such a minority that they're gonna feel stupid as well and in many ways it's kind of like a peer pressure and they're not going to do it anymore clearly it shouldn't be the people fighting for racism being the minority it should be the people who are who are being racist being the minority idea in an ideal world of course non-existent but you know (laughs) yeah but that's the hope for the future and obviously only time will tell what the Mm. true changes are but I think yeah I think I've definitely like you said we spoke earlier about the question with sort of white people standing up for you know black people and hopefully after this movement obviously the movement's been about for a long time but after this sort of spark again of the movement and it becoming more prominent hopefully there has been change already and like you say only time will tell how big that change has been but hopefully even everyday small things and individuals will have taken things on board and will be changing but it's definitely a slow change and yeah like you say the next generation that's I guess what we're fighting for yeah if you think about the civil rights movements that have happened in America and the UK that happened back in the 60s you know and here we are 2020 still fighting about the same things you know so those were prominent back then you know things like segregation being abolished were huge but actually we're still seeing that it's still racist Mm. and not in many ways not that much has improved in that sense you know apart from saying oh it's fine you can just walk on the same terrain as us even though we all share this Mm. world so yeah so that I think that's why a lot of like I'm I'm skeptical and it's great like I'm definitely wanting to stay optimistic about it for sure but because of past experiences as well (laughs) I wasn't there but past experiences the black community has had you know (laughs) over the decades I think you can understand why a lot some of us are like well you know we can only just it's there really change yeah yeah but like I said I'm you know I am hopeful and you know hopefully we can you know like I said that's why I think the result we'll see in the next generations and the ones to come after that yeah that's really helpful So my last question is, and this kind of links to that, how can we as a society be actively anti-racist? What can we all do? Um, Like I've said before, it is the little things. It's the 
standing up for someone, talk, talking about it in public, continuing to educate yourself, challenging your, your biases, realizing as well that you have been born and immediately indoctrinated straight away to think that white people are the superior. So you must chat, you've got to challenge that and accept, like we need to get past our pride and accept that our view of the world has been skewed to, to benefit mm -hmm. white people. And we need to challenge that. And it's, it's, it's uncomfortable, but we have to do it. We need to get out of our, yeah, we need to get out of our comfort zones. Um, I think that's been the running theme of 2020 or Lord knows how long this is going to be, maybe for the whole decade, I don't know. Um, but yeah, getting getting uncomfortable has definitely been the, the running theme. Yeah. So you might as well keep rolling with it. Um, you have to be uncomfortable to change your behaviour. Exactly. Otherwise exactly. nothing's going to happen if everybody's pretty comfortable with it. Yeah. yeah, it's important that people don't just stand by, you know, especially with white people, people don't just stand by and think, oh, just because I'm not being racist, that's fine. It's about being anti-racist and challenging things when you see it, even if it's not directed at you. Yeah. And yeah, being united and all standing together, because it's great seeing at those protests, you know, people of all different backgrounds, all different ethnicities standing together on the same on the same side of the, of the issue. And yeah, I guess it's about coming together and challenging those things. Like you say, it's the everyday small things. Don't yeah. let people get away with them. Yeah, exactly. That is it. Don't do not let people get away with this crap anymore. Like it's, yeah. it's, we're past that now. Don't want to be seeing anybody yeah. ducking their heads anymore when it's it's because it's too exactly. awkward or uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, it's not it's not about you and how this is going to affect you, but it's about you know, this world is so much bigger than just you and we need to look out for each other, for sure. To all the listeners, just keep listening to Neve's podcast. She's doing a great job. Um, thanks for having me <laughs> on. Yeah, I highly recommend listening to her episodes if you just, you know, need just need someone to, to chat with you, for sure. So. Um, yeah keep giving Neve some love and thanks for having me on thank you so much Nomi for speaking on the podcast you've opened my eyes further on the issue of racism and hopefully others eyes too I know this can't have been an easy conversation so thank you again for opening up about your experiences and for sharing your thoughts we all need to become more educated and more aware of the experiences of others and fight for the rights of every individual until everyone is equal the fight has started but we must keep going Thank you to everyone who has listened and I hope you learnt a lot as I know I certainly did. Please continue to educate yourself on the issue of racism and strive to be anti-racist. Don't be silent and stand by. Make a change in the way you behave. Not being racist is not enough. We must be actively anti-racist. Also make sure that you check the episode notes for this episode to find links to any of the things that Nomi or I have mentioned, such as Jane Elliott or Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race, which is a book Nomi mentioned, and she also mentioned a lot of clothing brands. Those links will all be in the episode description if you want to check those out. Have a good day and please follow the podcast Instagram at keepgng underscore podcast for updates on the podcast and to get involved. There'll be a link in the description. Please share the podcast with friends and leave a review on your podcast app. I will see you next week with another episode. Bye.